Hello. Uh, Rodrigo. Hey, how are you? Rodrigo Reyes. You are a filmmaker, director, uh, creative, visionary, uh, Mexicano, uh, all that that implies, uh, which is a lot of things. Uh, but you're going to be coming to Bakersfield. You're going to be here uh, September 15th. Uh, it just happens to be the kickoff for Hispanic Heritage Month. Like I always joke, we get one month to cram as many people as we can into a month to highlight the works that we do. But I always say we need to celebrate us as Latinos, as Mexicanos, as Chicanos, as Mexican-Americans, the contributions and the the works that we do, uh, not only just in the United States, but uh, stuff that is seen around the world and the impact, the positive impacts that we have. But you're going to be right here in Bakersfield at the historic Fox Theater. We're going to be showing uh, Sanson and Me, your latest film. Is this your latest film? Yeah, this is my latest film, and, and I'm just so excited to be coming to Bakersfield. I, lo I love the region. I think there's a lot of stories there that people often overlook, mm -hmm. and, uh, and Sanson is one of them. You know, he's a Central Valley story. Really? Okay, so when I found out about the film, uh, Fabian sent me the trailer, and he says, hey, I got this great film. I want to check it out. And, and as usual, there's so many films that, you know, we, we get so inundated with so many different types of films, of course, like the big major studios. And, you know, I think right now because of the strike and, and as before we go any further, are you under any sort of restrictions because of the strike or anything like that? Or can we talk about everything? We can talk about everything. I, I'm not under any restrictions, especially because this is a documentary. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay. So on, uh, Fabian sent me the trailer. I looked at the trailer and as I mentioned, it's one of those films where, you know, unless you follow the really independent, uh, you know, independent and maybe use the term loosely underground filmmaking scene, um, you might not catch a lot of these great films. And that's what I love about the flick series. And it almost reminds me of like, it's our, oh, our very own personally curated criterion collection that comes into the historic Fox theater. And I was watching the trailer and I'm already, my heart is already starting to tug because I can see this is something, you know, we get to see people that we see in everyday life. We get to see ourselves on screen and I can already tell by when I go to watch this film, I'm going to be, be very touched. And the one thing that struck me right away was a documentary, a documentary 10 years in the making. Now, you have to be obviously be committed to this project, but tell me how this all came about, Sanson and me, and you know how you discovered it. Yeah, well, you know, this started because I was working as a as a court interpreter up in Merced County, so mm. I was an interpreter there, and I was uh, being assigned cases. And uh, during my first, you know, year, I, I I was assigned to to my first murder trial, and it happened to be this kid, Sanson. He was on trial for being the driver in a shooting. And um, from there, like, I was just left thinking, like, who is this kid? You know, like, what's his story? Like, how does he end up in this courtroom? You know, because when you're interpreting for people, you can't really cross that line, right? You have mm -hmm. to be like this, like, very professional, rigid kind of person. You, you, can't, you can't ask personal questions, right? But I knew that he had a lot more to say, you know, and that he had gone through a lot more than than what we were seeing in the trial and so after he sentenced and you know his sentence was life without parole 
which is really, really like like the worst sentence you can get in California, right? Because the death penalty doesn't actually happen anymore. Yeah. And um and so he's sentenced to life without parole, and I'm left thinking, man, like, what happened to this this kid? This kid from my home country, right? And like in many ways, we were very connected because I was the other the other Mexican in the room. I was the other immigrant, right? And uh, I just couldn't talk to him, right? But after he was sentenced, I reached out, I wrote him a letter, and he responded with a lot of enthusiasm. And and we started that process, you know? And li little did we know that, you know, it would be very difficult to make the film, that that the film would be, um, you know, 10 years of, of this really long mm -hmm. and complex process. And the, the first obstacle we faced was hey, guess what, you know, you're making your movie, but the prison system's not going to let you interview this kid, right? He can't He can't go on camera, right? Because they saw it as a reward. Mm -hmm. And so the problems just started popping up, right? Like this lack of access. And, and what I learned from that is like, man, like it's very hard for our people to tell their story. It's super hard because mm -hmm. the system won't even let you have a shot, right? Like you, you can't even be on camera, right? And so... That made us both really upset, but we kept going at it, right? Like we turned that energy into positivity and mm -hmm. just kept trying to come up with ideas to tell the story. Well, let me ask you this. At, at this time, were you already a filmmaker or was this your first delve into the, into the craft? Because I, I, I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to really dig into your biography, but, but where were you at as far as filmmaking at this point when you decided I'm going to take this on? I, I was already a filmmaker. I had already decided that um, that was my path in life. Mm -hmm. um, but I hadn't, I hadn't made, you know, a lot of films. I was still finishing, um, I think, my second feature documentary. Mm. And, um, were you, and did so, you did you make the were you specifically going becoming a documentary documentary filmmaker or were you doing other works? I, I was all over the place, mm -hmm. you know. And for me, film is just it's just an art form, you know. Documentary is one manifestation, but when folks watch Sanson, there's times where it just feels like a fiction. You know, you're watching like somebody's life being told in a very cinematic way. Um, you know, for for me, like maybe you just start with a real real person, and then you you start to get creative, right? And you, what what matters is that you say something that that resonates with people, right? And so, um, I, I've always just been very kind of agnostic, you know, and I and I just love cinema, so. Um, in this case, you know, Sansona is a real person. His story really happened. And so I wanted to celebrate it. And, and, and so the best way was to kind of work within documentary, but also push the pu push the storytelling into like a deeper place. Right. Because he's not allowed to to um, to to talk to camera. Right. And so then how do you tell the story? Well, you know, he started writing this um, massive amount of letters and. I asked him, I was like, you know, just, just let it go. Just write, write your story, everything that happened, uh, no judgment, you know, just, just uh, tell us w what happened in your life. And in that process, I, we both realized, man, there's a book here, you know, there's a script, right, of his story. And then uh, we, we agreed to invite his family to be the actors in the film, right? And so then, is it a documentary? Is it a fiction? You know, it's all kind of blurred. But, but what happens is that you start to see his story come to life as close to the truth as possible, right? It's like his hometown. It's his own, you know, flesh and blood. Um, and, and it becomes very, very moving because 
you're not just seen like an actor and you know that it's fake. You know this is real, that this really happened to yeah. this family. Now, where was this family originally from? You say Mexican immigrant. What part of Mexico did they come from? His family's from Colima mm. on the Pacific coast. And so Sanson grew up in this very beautiful setting on the beach. He mm. was like going out with his dad and fishing and everything. And he, he loves to talk about that because he's like, you know, like I come from a very beautiful place full of pain, right? Like it's got this contrast of, of, of pain and beauty um, that I think is behind so many people's stories, right? Like we, we all miss our homeland. We all like respect and love it. But at the same time, there something happened there that, that forced people to move, right? And to, yeah. to, to migrate. And so, yeah, they end up in the Central Valley. Just to remind me where, where, where we're at with, with Sanson's story. Where does it start at? Where he gets arrested? Yeah, he gets arrested in Merced County. He gets arrested in Merced County. And so, you know, um, that's how we ran into each other because we were both living in the same place. And, you know, but, but what's, what I find really interesting is like, well, how do you make a film about, you know, something like that without focusing on the crime and really trying to understand who the person is you know and like i think that's part of the problem right like we see all this violence and some people try to make um you know they make political wins out of it you know they they try to say that our people are somehow especially violent but we we don't see those same folks and politicians like asking like well how does this actually happen like why does it happen right like what are the conditions that our people are coming in with you know like what are the challenges they're facing right Sanson was an orphan he lost his his dad when he was six and he lost his mom soon after and so there's a lot of things that are stacked against him as he's growing up and I think like I find that super interesting um to see him as a person you know like someone who had goals and dreams and mm -hmm. who you know maybe made a mistake but that doesn't mean like that's the end of the story right like and what happens if we see beyond that right like if we see deeper and, and we try to understand him as a person yeah. who, who deserves dignity, you know? And like so many of, our, of, the, of the kids in our community, you know, they get, they get the book thrown at them. They get these really crazy sentences, right? And it's hard as for them to like, defend themselves because they just exactly. like, what am I supposed to do? And they you freeze up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you go to court and it's like the worst day of your life mm -hmm. and you're, you're not prepared, right? Like Sanson didn't go to college, you know, he didn't have like, enough support in there right and like i saw all this happen um but i couldn't i couldn't do anything besides interpret right and so mm -hmm. then that that kicks off the movie yeah now i've been to court like maybe i've accompanied my son for a traffic ticket because he was scared and so he's like dad will you go with me sure i'll go with you son and i'll you go do what you got to do you got to face you got to face the <laughs> got to face the judge but i will noticed most of the time any time that i've gone and I, I think i've gone had to go to court for like expired tags or something you know silly like that a couple times but over there in the corner there will be that you can see like there's the mexicano with the uh with the with the translator and you could see the fear on their face for maybe it it happens to just be a traffic violation or a parking ticket they don't know how to handle it but uh, i could just imagine some of the situations that you put yourself in do you have to do you find yourself calming them down even if it's no matter the infraction if it's something serious or if it's something if it's something small are they do they usually come in with a sense of you know fright that they don't know what could possibly happen to them maybe if it's just a parking ticket 
Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of people who are just like really nervous because um, they're just used to keeping their head down and trying to not be, you know, like in trouble with the system in any way. Um, and, you know, as an interpreter, what I try to do is just to share with them like, hey, man, I'm a professional. I do the best I can to for you to communicate. So if you have questions, like I'm here to help you ask them, right? Like you have to take take that power, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that that sometimes helps people. But the thing is, you know, like when you're 19 and you're you're facing um, uh, one of the most serious charges you can face, um, like Sanson was, like mm-hmm. it's really hard to have perspective, right? And like it's it's really hard. Everything that that you missed out on education wise support wise like that's not that's not with you in the courtroom right and so it's it's too late to try to catch up yeah. and um you know he, he didn't get to tell his story in the courtroom he didn't get to to um really say uh what 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 he had gone through mm-hmm. um you know and i think uh, for people who watch the film they're gonna they're gonna see how it's like in many ways it's a tragedy right and mm-hmm. at the same time sanson just remains like so positive and so so hopeful, right? Like he believes in his story, right? He believes that if 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 he if he tells his story, that that the world will will understand that that there's something more to him than just like what happened that day. Absolutely, and you know, so everybody out there listening, no spoilers. We're not going to tell you what happens because uh, we want everybody to uh, go out to flicks at the Fox and uh, watch Sanson and Me with uh, director Rodrigo Reyes. Everybody's going to be there. It's the it's kind of the kickoff to the fall season. It's uh, everybody loves to be in, the, and I think it's a it's a beautiful place to screen the film. And there's going to be a Q and A with you following the screening. And even if you if you happen to miss the screening, you know you could always you know put in a search, find Sonson and me, and support. Uh, filmmakers like Rodrigo Reyes and not just during Hispanic Heritage Month but all the time keep on spreading the word about these wonderful films I can't wait to see it but let me let me come back to the film because I'm really curious about this because as as you were saying that you were able to uh, you know have some of his actual family members in the film like casting something like this it, it was almost like when I watched the film uh, Roma, which is which is kind of one of those, I mean, it's an Oscar winner. It was on a major studio, and people around the world got to see it and kind of got to see another side of uh, of Mexican life and Mexican actors. A lot of a lot of faces we don't always get to see on the screen. And when I was watching the trailer to uh, Sanson and Me, it kind of reminded me of the same thing. We get to see people that I don't know if they're actors because we don't get to see. You know, when you think of Hollywood and you think of, you know, uh, Latino actors, really, you know, <laughs> Europeans, like S- Spanish actors, they all kind of have a certain look. But when you kind of start to see people that you would know from your neighborhood, you know, uh, we don't know where they're from. Are they from Oaxaca? Are they from here? Or were they from there? Are they from, you know, Mexico City? Are they just Chicanos from around the way? Casting the film, with is it so it's a mix of his family members and just and actual actors, or how did you put the casting together? The, the casting is a mix of Sanson's family mm-hmm. and like real migrants that are living in the Central Valley, like mm. like regular kids. You know, I I right feel the same way you you do, Matt. Like I don't, you know, I'm I miss seeing like real people, right? Like yeah. like I, I miss seeing our people, right? Um, there's always this like kind of white skin filter that uh, gets put on uh, films. And um, I just wanted to to celebrate the immigrant community, right? So, like the kid who plays Sanson when he's an adult, he he himself is an immigrant, and he um he was a a child worker like Sanson was. Like he kind of he had the same kind of 
you know, like work ethic and, and, and respectfulness around him that a lot of our people have when they, when they come to this country. Right. And that reminded me so much of Sanson. And he was also like a really strong, you know, physically strong kid, just like the real Sanson. And so, um, to me, it was just so important that we could like, you know, highlight and uplift um, those stories, right? And those faces, right? And that even that way of talking, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, um, I, I really work hard for that. And but the, you know, the biggest, the biggest, I think, asset is the fact that the family is in the film. Like, you watch the film mm-hmm. and you're like, damn, that's like his sister, that's his nephew, you know? And you you know this as you're watching it, and so it makes it very enriching. Um, you, you start to feel like all these different layers of meaning, mm-hmm. you know, behind each scene. And um, yeah, without without spoiling it, I think it's it's very uh, powerful, a powerful experience. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Now, before we come back to the film and, and wrap this up, because we want to remind everybody to uh, to go to Flicks at the Historic Fox Theater, September 15th, 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.30. Ticket prices are $7. Uh, you can go to uh, the Fox Theater online, uh, Bakersfield Fox Theater. You can get all the information out there. And you do not want to miss this screening because you will also be able to participate in a Q&A with Director Rodrigo Reyes. So get your que- questions ready. Uh, remember, he's a visitor here, so you know, go easy on him. But I'm sure everybody out there, if you're a film buff and you love documentaries and you're just, you know, you're curious. Come out here to here and support this wonderful film. Now, I want to talk about you about your background in the independent film world. You know, um, kind of in a nutshell, what road did you travel to get here? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And you know, I I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, how how did I end up being a filmmaker? And I think the big answer is my dad. You know, my dad. He was a farm worker in in the Central Valley, but he also he also made sure that. Um, that we always had had a had a library at home, you know. Mm. He was a he was a college graduate. He was a historian back in Mexico, and circumstances of life made it tough for him to do that in in the U.S. But he he kept that same discipline, right, and that same kind of love for knowledge at mm. home. And I think that helped a lot, you know. And he knew a lot about art and everything. And so we were educated, like always appreciating that, and you know movies are art you know and mm-hmm. and i fell in love with that and and of course it was it was hard for 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 me to kind of negotiate that with with him at the same time right because it's like every parent wants their kid to succeed and he was like you know like being an artist is super tough right you know mm-hmm. like why don't you do something that <laughs> that'll take difficulties away from you instead of adding them right but um that, that, that was my path, you know, like he always just encouraged us to be um, ambitious and to strive for excellence. And uh, I, I, uh, I felt like, you know what, like these other kids are doing it. I can do it too. You know, I can, I can be a filmmaker. And um, little by little, you know, I started um, walking forward and, and making, making work, you know. Did you go to, did you go to um, school? Like, did you kind of go that route, school, college, the whole no. thing for filmmaking? No. I did not. I did not. I'm mostly self-taught. You know, mm. I took some film history classes, you know, some theory classes. But uh, no, I studied um, international relations, you know, basically political science and a lot of classes in Spanish and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was kind of getting ready to have this job as an interpreter. I didn't know it, you know. I didn't realize it until it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I was like 
just having this very bilingual education in college. And when I graduated, I said, you know, Dad, here's my degree, you know, like I did the respectable thing, and now I'm going to go try making movies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it was <laughs> it was tough at first, but I think everything is tough, you know, like everything that, that is worthwhile is hard. So you, you got you to gotta see it that way. And for me, like, you know, just the fact that there was there's so, there's still so much out there in our universe, right? You know, like that is not reflected in the world. There's so much that um, that is not part of the art of cinema that hasn't been reflected in it. And that that to me is what keeps me going. Right. Like we have a very rich, rich culture, a rich universe and uh, a lot of stories to tell. And, mm-hmm. and they're just not being told, you know, like filmmakers have to have to go out there and make it happen. And um, and yeah, it's hard. But at the same time, it's like the huge privilege you know it's it's wonderful you know so so i'm I'm not sad about the 10 years that it took me to make sansone because you know those were very rich years and, yeah. and we learned a lot like the two of us and you have a lot of freedom you know you're in control of this and, and it's your vision and and i can see these are the type of films that you know a major studio wouldn't always give you the green light too so you just have to do it yourself and i think a lot of the um the hispanic the latino movie making experience kind of follows that it's like well if we just don't do it ourselves it's never going to get done so we don't really have to worry about um anybody telling us no we just have to just give ourselves the green light and, and say yes we're going to make it happen si se puede i mean that's just exactly that's exactly what i'm what i'm hearing here especially from the central valley you know i i grew up here and so you know, Fresno, the Fresno area, that area, Merced, I mean, we, we traveled, I had some family that would live over there, but for the most part, I stayed here in Bakersfield. We're in this isolated section right here before you get to Fresno, the, the major cities. So you either go up north or you go, you know, to Los Angeles and try to break into the industry over there. But, you know, there's a, there's a bazillion people. So if you can't make it, if you can't travel to those big cities and you're like, you could just make it happen where you stand. And I think that's what, uh, what we've kind of figured out as, as minorities in the entertainment business, as, as creative is that we could just stand in the place where we live and just make it happen for ourselves. And the rest of the world will eventually catch on. Um, you know, when you were ta- we were talking about being able to see ourselves and see, see the films, uh, that have kind of made us, oh, let me ask you this. What were the films that kind of helped shape you as a filmmaker? You know, because every, every, every director, every filmmaker kind of has maybe their canon of their, the films that these are the movies I reference. Now, I grew up in the 80s, so I don't know when you grew up, but I have like, I grew up watching the 70s films and the 80s films. What were the films that kind of helped shape you as a filmmaker? You know, in, in that way, I was very lucky because at home, you know, my dad would, would put on all sorts of things. You know, we'd watch classic Mexican cinema, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Like, we have an incredible tradition right there, an incredible history of storytelling. But I also watched action movies. I watched art movies, you know, like Kurosawa movies and Stanley Kubrick, you know, yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that. And, like, I mean, that's, 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 that's what you got to do. You got to mm-hmm. just be in relationship with everything as a, as an artist. Right. And that was very inspiring. You know, I remember, I remember, um, at some point my dad, you know, was very frustrated with, you know, my career was like very slowly moving. And I said to him, well, you know, but you're the one who showed me all these movies. You know, you're the one that showed me all this stuff and you made me fall in love with cinema, you know? 
Um, and I, and I, you know, just going back to what you're saying, it's like you have to make your own opportunities and you have to um, value, you know, your own universe, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have so many great family stories, so many, you know, like they're like epics, you know, like that our grandparents have gone through, that our communities are living with. Like if you shift your perspective and you see it that way, it becomes like really powerful, right? And you don't mm-hmm. have to try to fit into you know, like the way you're supposed to tell a story, right? Like, and what you're supposed to talk about, you know, your grandma might be like the star of your film and her story could be incredibly amazing, right? Like we just have to shift our our perspective around that, you know? And like, he, he also taught me that. He taught me to be very proud of, of who you are and where you come from and never like apologize for that, you know? Like never mm-hmm. try to fit in in a way that, um, you know, because there's a difference between getting along and then there's, you know, erasing who you are or, or suppressing who you mm-hmm. are so that you can be accepted, right? And yeah. so he was always, like, super clear about that. And, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for that. And, you know, Sanson is, um, he's actually, um, you know, on that path too, right? Like, he, start, he having made this film, he, he started to become you know more and more proud of his of his work and the fact that he was willing to look back on his life and share his story right and so i i feel like that attitude just keeps echoing and growing let me let me kind of shift into something else because we were um when i were talking about uh filmmaking and the films that you know help to inspire you i love seeing interviews with uh directors that i've you know admired for many many years because then i'm always curious as to what are the films that you know that kind of inspired them so when you start, you you get like uh, you hear interviews, just like when you mentioned watching Kubrick films in Kurosawa. You see an interview with Guillermo del Toro, and he kind of has kind of the same things. And everybody kind of has, uh, you know, the, the the. Let me just focus on the, the Mexican filmmakers that have really recently, over the past, you know, ten twelve years, we've had a lot of big Oscar moments with Mexican directors, as you know. You know, you got Alfonso Cuarón, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Alejandro González Iñarito, and I remember when I came across, you know, you always would, I grew up with the Star Channel, with the Movie Channel, which was like, it predated HBO, so we were lucky, I grew up in McFarland, (laughs) my dad got cable, he was all excited, we were all excited, and we made him pay for the premium Movie Channel, so you got Star Channel, which was, it just showed one film, 10 times a day. So depending on what was coming on, that those are the films that you were going to watch. So maybe I watched um, uh, you know, The Exorcist 10 times in a row, which was probably not the best film for me to see, but uh, you know, now and then they would have the occasional foreign film which for the most part was French cinema. So you got to see like La Cage aux Folles, uh, a lot of uh, great Francis Truffaut films, so you got to watch all those and that kind of made me a fan of international cinema. But as far as I knew, Mexican films were probably like the ones you saw. There would be like Pedro Infante films or the black and white. We didn't always get a lot of those great um, 60s, 70s Mexican films on the premium movie channels. So, you know, where I grew up in McFarland, our access was very, very limited. So it wasn't until... The 2000s, when we started to see people like, you know, when, when I saw Amores Perros for the first time, I was like, that blew me away. 
it was kind of coming on the heels right after Pulp Fiction. So I saw it as kind of like, I'd seen Pulp Fiction so many times. By the time I got to Amores Perros, I was like, I couldn't believe when I was watching. I was so excited. I said, there's got to be more like this. Like I'm saying, I'm seeing Mexicanos on the film and they're cool films and there's no, there's no music element. They're showing like the dirty, grimy ghettos and they're showing like the difference in the people's lives you see the people that are struggling in the ghettos you see the people that have a lot of money and all these kind of cross stories that are happening then alfonso cuaron comes up he's got gravity birdman revenant all this stuff comes out of course ito mama tambien and all those movies and we start being introduced to gael, gael garcia bernal and diego luna and then all the other movies that came out after that kind of around the parameter there's like el infierno and all the movies about the cartels and all that stuff. But let me ask you this, because I just kind of flooded you with all that of how I discovered the new wave of Mexican cinema. When you started seeing that, you know, where did you, what was your entry into like knowing that there was more coming out? Were you aware of a lot of the stuff that was going on in Mexico or did you kind of have the same discovery as I did? I think, you know, like we all, we all kind of had that discovery, right? All of a sudden there was like a wave. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Even folks in Mexico, you know, like uh, for for so long, you know, that industry was suppressed, you mm -hmm. know, and then suddenly started breaking out. And I mean, right now, the quality of Mexican cinema is so high, like, you know, big films, but also like documentaries and personal films and art films, you know, and like just just the amount of of product that's coming out that's incredible, that's bold, that's brave, you know. But I remember way back in the day in Merced watching Amores Perros, like in its theatrical run, which is wow. crazy, right? Like it had <laughs> a theatrical know. run, right? Like that's gone, right? Like that doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's it was such a such a shock. And I was like, wow, that's like my hometown, Mexico City. And like you said, you know, you're seeing all the layers of that society. And the thing is, it's like, I feel like that the answer to so much of like this pressure and this feeling uh, unheard is to just keep fighting to be more creative, you know. And I, I think um, all those filmmakers, you know, the famous ones and not so famous ones, they they're all pushing for that, right? They're all like saying, "Hey, I'm here," you know, and I got something to say, right? Whether I've got a million dollars or I got a dollar, you know, I'm gonna say it, and um. I, I feel very inspired by that. And I think like Latinx filmmakers, you know, like the, those of us who like are kind of in between the, the two worlds, like uh, we, we should take inspiration from that. You know, there's a lot uh, to say, you know, we, 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 we have to build our own wave, you know. I did notice that you won some awards. Like when you took this movie on the road, what were some of the things that stood out for you from, you know, beyond the awards? Because, you know, awards, you get your accolades and then, you know, starts to fade away, then you have to start thinking about the next thing <laughs> right away. Almost as soon as you're done, you know, the, you know, that's a wrap. You have to start thinking about the next project. But when you take this film on the road, what were some of the moments that stood out from you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm always impressed by like just how much love people, people show to Sanson, you know, just how much, how much people really connect with his story. And they understand, you know, whether they're in England, you know, like the film won a big award out there, mm -hmm. the Sheffield Dockfest, or or they're in, in Mexico, or you know, in 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 the Midwest here in the U.S., uh, New York, you know, uh, people just really 
connect with him and they understand like a deeper sense of what justice really means, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they start to see the contradictions um, and they start to see this kid, right? And, um, you know, I go to screens and I bring postcards and people write to him and then they start their own connection to him, right? They send him a message. Mm. And um, that's really beautiful. I talked to someone the other day who was like, I sent him like 10 postcards, you know. Wow. And, you know, like Love I keep it. thinking about the film and I keep writing to him. Um, and I'm like, you go, you know, that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of cinema is just like to totally change the way you, you see the world, you know. And, and um, all that energy goes to him too, you know. It helps him a lot to to keep going and to feel like, um, that he he has control of his life, that he can have goals, that he's he's still a human being with dignity who can who can push forward, right? And so, um, you know, I'm excited. I'm very excited. the The next week on Tuesday, the nineteenth, mm -hmm. the film will be on on public television, mm. um, on independent lens, right? So, you guys in Bakersfield are gonna get like one of the last theatrical screens before it's on TV, right? And and so once it's on TV, you know, people who, who can't make it to the show, they could watch it there. But people also in prison can watch it, right? Mm. Because, uh, you know, they don't get Netflix. They don't get, yeah. you know, like <laughs> subscriptions in prison, but they get free movies from, uh, from public television. And so can you imagine? I mean, across the whole country, it's going to be seen on independent lens inside, you know, yeah. inside prisons all over this, this, this big nation of ours. And... And that's going to be very meaningful, right? Because people are going to see themselves in that story, you know, because a lot of other guys that are in there, they have the same situations and like broken families, poverty, lack of opportunity, you know? Like Rodrigo said, if you if you can't make it to the Fox Theater for flicks, which you should, you can always catch it on public television. And hey, if you have a, a relative, you have a homie on lockdown, tell them to to. Stop watching a bunch of crap if you have access to anything and watch this watch this wonderful documentary. It'll, it'll inspire you and and let you know that you're not alone in, in your struggle, whatever you're struggling with and all that stuff. But uh, thank you so much uh, for, for all this wonderful information and for this great interview. Now, where can people find out more about you and your works? They can find me on Instagram at rrcinema. And so that's like basically my, my social media of choice right there. Uh, Sanson and Me is also on Instagram. And um, and also, you know, if you just search for the film, you'll see that it's going to be on PBS next week. Once again, I want to thank director Rodrigo Reyes. He is the director, filmmaker, a visionary of Sanson and Me. It's going to be at Flix at the Fox, September 15th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. I look forward to visiting you all in Bakersfield. Thanks for listening to The Real Talk Podcast. If you'd like to catch Real Talk on Terrestrial Radio, you can catch the live broadcast every Friday from 10 a.m. to noon on Forge 103.9 FM in the Kern County area. You can also stream the show and podcast from Forge1039.com. And if that's not convenient enough, you can also follow and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. Technology is amazing. Thanks again.